also I'd be remiss if I did not say thank you or it's good to see Mr. Crystal today, Ani's, Ani's mother, Sister Loretta's daughter. Good to see you today in Palmer, back home where you belong. Reading from the 32nd chapter of the Book of Remembrance, Moses' Book of Remembrance, the Book of Deuteronomy. I've told you this numerous times before, but after Moses sent back into Egypt and then he led the Jewish nation out of bondage and the accountability of Leviticus and the stories of Numbers. And then he sits down one day with a follower and he recounts most of those stories and that's what we call Deuteronomy. So if you read something in Numbers, Exodus, and then you see it again, and maybe it's even adjusted slightly. You think, I wonder what's going on here. Did he forget he already mentioned that? No, he's recounting all of this to the next generation. Good to remind your sons and daughters where you've been and what God has done. I asked Sister Kristen to get some ladies up here. Thank you so much. That's what this entire book is about. Remembering what God has done. Anybody remember some things God has done? Why is, it, why is it we are wired to remember the things God hasn't done? Hasn't fixed this yet in my life. We are quick on that. Someone brings something up across the dinner table or over the coffee pot about some discomfort in your life that God hasn't rearranged. We are quick. Man, we, we got it. We're ready for that. Let me tell you my story. But, Brother Rob, it's good to sit those kids of yours down once in a while and say, listen, and you don't have to pick spots. God will pick spots. Your kid will come home one day with an attitude change, and you'll think, you'll think of something. And just some anointed conversation moment will come to you. This is a good time to talk to him about that. That is... Completely accurate. The Bible said the Lord spoke to Moses that self-same day, that same day, saying, this is God speaking to Moses, and Moses is recounting this conversation. I want you to get up to mountain Abiram. That's literally interpreted the mountain range, like the Chugach or the Talkeetnas or the Alaska Range. It's a range of mountains. Specifically, I want you to climb Mount Nebo, upon Mount Nebo, which is in the land of Moab, over against Jericho. Look out over the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel for a possession. And he said, verse 50, die in the mount, whether you go up and be gathered unto your people, as Aaron, your brother, died in Mount Hor and was gathered unto his people. Read verse 50 out loud. With me, everybody, you ready? In unison. And die in the mount whither thou goest up, and be gathered unto thy people, as Aaron thy brother died in Mount Hor, and was gathered unto his people. Brother Brad, would you lead us in prayer? Thank you, Lord. Yes, yes, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Fix our heart, God, today. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Jesus' mighty name, Jesus' mighty name, would you put your hands together for the Lord today?
This is for the Lord, nobody else. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Moses was told by God, you're about to die. Couldn't find one more. You're about to die. I want you to climb that mountain before you die, though. We take this text again, God willing, in about a month. I've got some things laid out. So don't think that I have forgotten, but we'll go a completely different direction. I want you to go up to Mount Nebo and die. And from that thought, I'm going to preach from this title. If you planned your own funeral. If you planned your own funeral. Can't you, can't you just feel the vibes of the, of the shallow right now? I need to go potty i got to get some fresh air. He's creeping me out. Well, one day you're going to grow up, and you're going to realize life is more than popsicles and candy sticks. Life's about serious decisions sometimes, serious choices you make, times you've got to face things you don't want to face. Come on. We do this every day. People put their lives in order every day. Look at somebody and say, if you planned your own funeral, you can be seated. God bless you. Let me offer the disclaimer. People put their ducks in a row every day that the world exists. That's what's called life insurance. They're planning. My parents bought years ago, 20 years ago, they bought funeral plots out here at the Palmer Cemetery. I remember dad sitting me down one day and saying, son, this is all taken care of. When our day comes, you have nothing to do but push a pencil, sign your name, and authorize it. It's all paid for. And of course, like you would do, ah, oh, dad, you're going to outlive me. And Thought about all of that, that cool April day we were putting my father in the ground. I want you to go up to Mount Nebo, and I want you to die before the people. If you planned your own funeral, one of the things you would have to do if you planned your own funeral, let's just say you were given this thought, this train of thought, is I wonder what you might say if you wrote your own obituary. Isn't it funny? When you read obituaries, you never read, John Doe was a louse, an angry weasel with a drinking problem. You never read that. I get it. I get it. Why kick people, why kick dirt in somebody's face? I know. There's no reason for that. But it is interesting the things you read. I didn't know that about them. All sorts of things. And, and props to them. It's their right. They're paying for that ad normally. That goes in the paper, that not ad, but that little obituary moment. They're paying for all that. And people take their time and make plans and get with their spouses and get with their parents or kids and they dot every I and they cross every T and they do everything to the best of their ability to plan. Kudos on them. 
I'm 29, man, I got the world by the tail. I'm going to live forever. Yeah, and you're 29, I'll turn you into 39. And you'll be looking in the rearview mirror at 49 and going, where is it all gone so quickly? Hmm. But what would you write? What would you want us to know or to think about? I, I think, Brother Stacy, most of us would say something like this. If I wrote my own obituary, I think I would say something like this. I, I wasn't perfect. Made a lot of mistakes. I meant well. I always intended to fix what I had broken. Don't you think honest people would say something like that? I always wanted to go back and say, I'm sorry. I meant to say, I love you again. I don't think I would find one of you writing your obituary telling me how, how many times you dunked on a 10-foot basket in your life. You'd probably tell me, I was very flawed. I like transparency, don't you? I like people that are just what they are and they don't try to sell me some story that they're something they're not. I saw this online. This is not original. I'm not plagiarizing anybody. I borrowed it right offline. Imagine that. Pastor in a local church. I believe the story was real. I didn't read anything beyond the story, but it was, it was written as if the story was real. Pastor in a local church. Small community, little assembly. Two brothers lived in the local town, small town. Evil, wicked, abominable. Rebel, rebel, rabble rousers. Revelry was the name of their game. Troublemakers. But every once in a while, for some unknown reason, they'd show up to church. They'd just show up to church. Hey, I'm here today. Lamentations 4.12 bears truth to the fact that the enemy has access inside the walls of Jerusalem. Anyway, the story went on to say that the two brothers showed up unapologetically once in a while. They didn't, they didn't stir anything up, but they didn't repent. They didn't come to the altar. They just showed up once in a while. Enough so that when chips were down in their life, they could call him pastor. One day, one of the brothers died. And if I understand the story right, the other, the living brother, the living troublemaker, the living hell raiser, calls for a private meeting with the pastor. He says, can we have whatever his name was, Tim or Tom or Bob's funeral in your building? Yes, certainly. Will you, will you speak at my brother's funeral? Certainly I will. Sure. Will you preach the funeral service? Yes, I will. There's only one thing, pastor. He said, I need somewhere in this proceedings. He said, I've got a $25,000 check made out to your church. He said, somewhere I want you to tell your congregation that my brother was a good man, a righteous man, a saint of God. You can say anything you want, but somewhere put in your address that he was a good man, a righteous man, a saint of God. Like any pastor, like any person with a conscience, like, you kidding me? Now, I don't, I don't, I mean, I preached 
dozens of funerals, probably a hundred in my life. And I don't, one thing I just, I'm very uncomfortable with, two things, I'll tell you, transparency, all right? Can't stand strong-willed people in weddings. Oh, no, Pastor, this flower is going to be right here. And I want it there. People don't do that in weddings, do they? Oh, you only knew. You only knew how You only know how stupid people get at weddings. There we go. I thought we're adults here, okay? Some of you don't let your kids say the word stupid, but we're adults in here, aren't we? Whoa, I got a group of angels somewhere here. I got a... They don't say that word when someone cuts them off in traffic and then... People can get stupid at weddings! And if you blame me for liking five-minute wedding ceremonies, you've got to look around, okay? i got a hundred reasons why it's went honed down to five minutes. <laughs> what, what is my, my, my moment in history, Pastor? How do I get on these things? I don't know. Two things I don't like. One is all this nonsense that goes on, petty nonsense, and strong-willed, belligerent, pushing, controlling the environment in weddings. And people at funerals that want you to put their, their relative in heaven. Thank God I had a mentor, Uncle Wayne, 35 years ago telling me, listen, son, there's two things you shouldn't do. Don't ever preach anybody into hell because they are what they are now. And don't get up and paint some phony picture for people to say, well, if he lived that way and the pastor said he's in heaven, that means I can live that way. I believe in giving honor and respect. Funerals are for the living. Wow, we're into some funny stuff today, aren't we? Well, I was sitting on in my razor and the rain was falling. And I was reading through Deuteronomy and it just jumped off the pages at me. What if God commissioned you to write your own funeral? And the one brother that died lay in state in front of the congregation. And the other brother that tried to strong arm the pastor with a check. The pastor is doing his thing and he's coming down to the last few words. And it's on his mind, of course. What in the world? I may have a riot if I don't do that. So it just came out of his mouth like this. There lies Dan, Joe, Bill, Ron. One of the most wicked men I've ever known in my life. Evil, rebellious, stubborn, stiff-necked, hard-headed. But compared to his brother. Compared to his brother. He's a self-righteous, good man, saint. Pay up, brother. Mm. You get the point. No matter what the preacher says at your funeral, 
no matter what words are offered at the day of your tribute, your life is writing your own funeral sermon. Every day you live, no matter what I do and how I try to paint it a different color than it is, you are known by your reputation. And your life is already writing your story. And people can be told all sorts of... That's why, that's why when people lie about you, I know we, our natural impulse is to defend ourselves. But I guarantee you, I've learned in 30 years of pastoring, that if you tell me something bad about her, listen, I've been around too long. I know there's more than one side to the story. And I know you can make it more dramatic than it needs to be because you're in a moment of hysteria. And you could take something that big and make it that big because you're in a moment. What would, you, what would you write? You think there's something you could say to convince us otherwise or I could convince you otherwise? This is what Pilate said. When Pilate put on the cross above Jesus, King of kings and Lord of lords, and they said, don't write that. We want you to write that he said he was King of kings. John 19, 22, Pilate said, What I have written, I have written. You know what that means, Brother Josh? It means life has already inscribed my story. I'm going to date myself here. Some of you that are old enough to remember this, and worldly music can go on forever. I understand people keep things alive. But 1974, I was 15 years old. And Gladys Knight had a hit song. Hit song. And the, the title was something like, uh, you're, the greatest, you're the sweetest thing or greatest thing that's ever happened to me. Anyway, I, I've never bought the album, never bought the single, never bought any of her stuff. Beautiful voice, but I'm just telling you, the words, the opening words of that song have stuck in my brain for 45 years! And she opens the song with this, if anyone should ever write my life's story, for whatever reason there might be. And then she goes on to this mushy stuff. What would you write about me? What would she write about me? Pilate just said, hey, what I have written, I have written. It's, it's irrevocable. You can't erase it. It's unchangeable. You planned your own funeral. Pastor, do you know something I don't know? No. But our life is either serving as a testimony or a warning. Either serving as a testimony or a warning. I read an obituary in September. My friend, Kenneth Franklin, played football, played JV football with him, played high school baseball with him. Went to see him in the hospital in April, May, June. 
got a, I got a call from his wife one day that he passed away. A year younger than me. So, uh, got all the details of the funeral, etc., funeral service. And I was reading his obituary, September, maybe August. And when I got done with Kenneth's obit, I just kept going down. I thought I saw a face I recognized, so I, I tapped on her obituary and I read it. I didn't recognize it, but this is what stuck out to me off of her obituary, Brother Colin. It read just like this, and I quote. He gave the lady's name, 59-year-old, and a few vital statistics. And then it said this, the funeral home is searching for any family members or any acquaintances of said person. Read one a couple of weeks ago. I'm not into morbid things, I promise you. I just happened to be there. It gave the vital statistics of a man, age, address, name, of course. Same exact thing, Brother Walter. If anybody knows any of this man's family or any whereabouts of his friends, would you please contact the funeral? There's a lot of lonely people out there. People don't even know you when you die. What would you write? Second Chronicles 16, 14. There's a king of Judah mentioned by the name of Asa, A-S-A. You've all heard the scripture, 2 Chronicles 16, 9. Uh, the eyes of the Lord roam to and fro throughout the whole, world, whole earth to show himself strong in behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. Second Chronicles 16.9. That scripture was written as a warning against the authority of Asa. God was telling him, I'm about to break you down, boy. And that scripture was penned. We love it because it seems like such a faith-building scripture, and it is. But it was initially written as a warning against Asa persecuted the people of God. And down to verse 14 of 2 Chronicles 16, it said Asa was buried in the grave that he had prepared for himself. Dig it deep, boys. This is a personal one to me here. Spell it right. This is very personal to me here. Buried him in his own sepulcher. That's just an old English word meaning grave. Tomb. Made it for himself. What does your life story say today? Anybody listening to me? We are writing our own funeral sermon every day that we live. Horrible way to put it, Pastor Henry. Well, this is what the Bible says, and I'm almost done. 
Amos 4.12 said to prepare to meet your God. We hear people in, when they're roughshodding over one another or maybe just in jest, they say, you're going to meet your maker, you keep it up, boy. That's what Amos with the prophet was saying here. You're about to meet God. You are about to meet him in the fullness of authority. Prepare to meet your God. So when I tell you today that it behooves us to pay attention to life and things and details and instructions and counsel and wisdom and how we live and how we walk and how we talk and how we associate, it's because we are warned. Prepare your way. No one's going to escape that day. 1 Corinthians 15, 31, Paul said, I say what I do, I just die daily. So this has everything to do, it's relevant with you today where you are, no matter what your age. You may live another hundred years, it's still relevant to you today. Because if you're going to please God, you've got to crucify that flesh. You have to die out to the sensual desires of the flesh. Anybody get what I'm trying to say? If you're planning your own funeral, not literally now, I'm not talking about literally. Are you planning on that right now? Here's how you plan your own funeral spiritually. I'm going to come to prayer meeting more often. I'm going to fast more. I'm going to get in the Word of God more. What are you doing? You're killing your flesh. Last somebody text. Last time somebody texted you or called you or just said in person, got any, got any plans today? Got any plans today? I don't get along with them. What are your plans? Crucify your flesh. Make it right with your brother. Make it right with your sister, your family. Friends, church, you want to rewrite part of your story? You have to do that now. You have to do that on this side of the grave. I'll do that once. I'll get it right when they apologize to me. Won't you, why don't you crucify that flesh? Why don't you prepare your way today? I'm belaboring the point until you're tired of hearing it. I just know that I know that I know God told me to ask you today, what kind of plans are you making? Hmm? My dad, my dad always told mom, when he passes away, he said, I don't want a funeral. I'd rather be uh, cremated than buried. He had, it all, he had all these plans for the colony. And we didn't do any of that. So 
told my mother, sitting in there crying in my office, I said, Mom, with all due respect, we're just going to overrule you today. We're not doing that to my dad. I'm just going to, I know how he was. He didn't want anybody, he didn't want anybody to have to put out for him. He didn't want them to put a dollar on the line for him. You know, that generation, just, just men. I pay my own way. I don't borrow. I pay my own way. That was, that's your dad. I know it was your dad. I tried to give him something, and he got all mad at me one day. Wait, you give me stuff, and I can't return it to you? No, and he, you know how, you know more than I do. He got his point across real plain. Wait, look. I got it all planned out. Ron Harry, don't you mess with my plans. But he did. I'm not here to discuss cremation versus burying. I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to argue with you. I'm just telling you that plans are important. Especially plans that involve your soul. Well, I accepted Christ 87 billion years ago, and I'm good. Are you sure about that? Would you, would you be callous enough to step off into eternity on something somebody told you like that and without validating in the Word? Bible said this, if you don't repent, you'll all likewise perish. You can accept Christ until your face falls off. If you don't repent of your sins, you're going to perish. And that does not mean just die physically. It means die spiritually. Jesus said it, Luke 13, 3, Luke 13, 5. Except you repent, you'll all likewise perish. You can't just walk through life bluntly being arrogant and silly and saying, well, God, me and God got a thing. I'll tell you what God's thing is, His Word. And if you're willing, if you're willing and obedient, Isaiah 1, 18 through 20, you'll eat the good of the land. So you've got to repent. That's not, a, that's not up for option or debate. You must repent. And the Scripture said, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. I was so, I about come out of my shoes at 717 this morning in my house. Not because of the earthquake. Anybody feel the earthquake last night? 717, I'm, I've got, we've got our radio on Christian, the, the Anchorage station there. It's, it's as plain as this brown carpet most times. But they play, they play Christian music in between. Sunday morning it's all speaking though. 717 on a denominal Christian radio station speaker plainly said, and I'm not embellishing, I heard it with my own ears, 717, I don't know who it was, I'm trying to find the catalog who's on that radio station. He said, the Bible says to repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and he said, then you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And I said, is the rapture happened or something? I missed it. That is a just about secular Christian station, if I can put the two together. I know yeah. that's an oxymoron. But I heard it. Hey, 
I'm just trying to say, it isn't my message. It's God's word. Repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Hey, brother, if you want to rewrite your story, start today. What are you waiting on? Start right now. Hallelujah. I don't know about that tongue stuff. You ever open your Bible? Come on. Acts chapter 2. Oh, I'd rather have the words of Jesus than the words of Peter. Why am I going here today? Let me tell you, if Peter's wrong once, then take everything associated with Peter out of the, out of the gospel. Peter wasn't opposing Matthew 28, Mark 16, when he said, repent and be baptized, every one of you. He was fulfilling it. So when you're baptized by immersion in the name of Jesus, you know what we're doing in God's eyes? We're baptizing you in the name of the Father and of the Son. We're obeying Matthew 28, 19 by baptizing you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord have mercy. Somebody come. Somebody come and let's pray. Ladies, don't abandon me yet. Pray with the ladies that come, would you please? Brothers, find someone to pray with if they make their way up here. Come on, start rewriting your story today. Start rewriting your story today. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. Start rewriting your story today. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah.